a little bit about resolutions. I, because um, I'm an academic, you know, so I like to do a little bit of a little bit of research. And um, I had a fair bit of fun <coughs> researching New Year resolutions. And uh, you can blame Ainsley for part of this because she put me on to a couple of sources of information as well. But I, I wanted to have a look and see what, what are the most common resolutions that Australians make. Now, this is based on Australian data. It was published in the Daily Mail. Probably not the best academic source in the world. But it was based on a survey which was done of Australians just before Christmas. I think it was done mid-December about the resolutions that they were going to make for the new year 2019. Here we go, the top one, improve fitness. The next one, eat more healthily. It didn't actually say that, but I've corrected the English. <laughs> quit smoking, quit drinking alcohol, that is. You wouldn't want to quit drinking altogether. And uh, the fifth one was to learn new skills. Now those um, top three, they appear in just about every country. Not necessarily in the same order, but I've had a look at a few other countries. So people tend to make New Year resolutions around their own health. They tend to make relationships around, uh, sorry, uh, resolutions around relationships and about learning new stuff. Ah, but guess what? Yes, I'll move on to this. Guess what? Resolutions don't last very long. There was some research done on social, social media posts last year. Uh, this is around the world. Very extensive research it was. And it pinpointed the 12th of January as the day when most people give up on their resolutions. So their resolutions last less than two weeks. And I don't know whether you're aware of this, but January the 17th is uh, called, it's officially, Ditch Your New Year Resolutions Day. <laughs> so, you know, if you've made a resolution and you want a way out, well, just wait until the 17th and you can join millions of people around the world who celebrate Ditch Your New Year Resolutions Day. Okay. I've only ever really made one New Year resolution in my life that I can recall, and that was in... At 1984, when I decided to give up smoking, so yes, I used to smoke. And I decided to give up smoking because Jeanette and I had discussed the idea of starting a family. And uh, we'd read, it was actually in the Woman's Day or Woman's Weekly, one of those highfalutin magazines that every academic should read. But I read there, and this was before there was much research on, on the impact of secondhand cigarette smoke and so on that it was a good thing for both husband and wife to give up smoking if they wanted to start a family. And um, one of, really the only thing I ever wanted was to be married and have a family. Everything else has kind of been icing on the cake. For me, there's nothing more important other than your relationship with God than a relationship with spouse and your children. And I can certainly say that um, I'm very grateful to God for the, the wonderful family time I've had over many, many years now. But that, that was what I wanted more than anything else. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not going to jeopardise that in any way, shape or form. So I gave up smoking just like that. Uh, Jeanette was a bit of a social smoker. She gave up just like that. And, uh, of course, Ainsley was born in uh, November of 1984 and Lauren in December of 1986. And I've never smoked since. Um, and I was one of those who was able to kind of give up 
overnight. I've known a few who have done that, but of course, not everybody does. So that really is the only New, res new Year resolution. I've, I've never been all that committed to the idea of New Year resolutions. Let's have a bit of a look at the history of uh, New Year resolutions. Apparently, it goes back about 4,000 years. So around 2000 BC, the Babylonians celebrated a 12-day festival called Akitu. I've got no idea whether I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it coincided with uh, planting of the crops. So it was around about the middle of March each year. So during this festival, they would affirm a new king or reaffirm the existing king. They'd all swear allegiance to the king. And they promised the gods to pay their debts and to return anything that they had borrowed. So we can trace it all the way back to the ancient Babylonians. Well, uh, Julius Caesar, who was a fairly influential person in uh, AD 46, he decided that January the 1st would be called New Year in honour of the god Janus, after whom the month of January is, uh, is named. And uh, at this point, people offered sacrifices to the god Janus and promised to be good for the year ahead. So they, they looked at their conduct uh, for the year ahead. Uh, then in 1740, uh, John Wesley kind of Christianised the whole idea of New Year resolutions by holding what he called a covenant renewal service uh, in more recent times, they've become known as watch night services. They're actually very common in black Pentecostal churches in the United States. And uh, the service focused on hymns, Bible readings and prayer, and it was offered as an alternative to the general carousing that goes on on uh, New Year's Eve. And I'm wondering whether we shouldn't try one of these next year, see how it goes. Um, so there, there you are, there's a little bit of the history of uh, New Year resolutions. Now, being a good pastor, of course, I always must find a verse that suits my discussion point, right? You've got to make sure there's something from the Bible. Now, usually, of course, I have a lot of Bible verses, but deliberately today, I'm not, I'm not really going to um, give you too much from the Bible. But I, um, I do know that the Bible has a lot to say about promise-making. You see, our God is a promise-making God. He's a covenant God. And He's made promises to us. And He sticks by those promises. I just want to refer you to 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, verses 11 to 12. And this is the only um, scripture I'm going to, to read out today. And this is uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Thessalonica. And this is what he says about them. To this end we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfil by his power every good resolve and work of faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are, Paul supporting the Christians in Thessalonica saying whatever you resolve to do whatever you turn your hand to by way of work in faith 
he's praying that God will empower them to see it through. And I think if you're going to make New Year's resolutions, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't take them too seriously. It's uh, this is not a serious sort of doctrinal point. But often we're thinking about <coughs> these sorts of things at this time of the year. But here we are, the Apostle Paul stating emphatically that he prays for the people over whatever resolve, whatever good work they are engaged in. Resolutions are fundamentally about change. I'll give you a moment to read that. You're allowed to laugh, by the way. No, we're only getting the smoke, the smoke out here. Well, that's all right. That's all right. What I want to do is to talk a little bit about how you might make New Year resolutions <coughs> stick. This is my advice, right? Don't get too carried away. In fact, you can be like me and not bother about making New Year resolutions at all. But don't get carried away and certainly don't beat yourself up if you get to either the 12th of January or the 17th of January and you haven't actually been able to fulfil the resolutions. Admit that you need to change and that you need help to change and help is actually going to come from the Lord. When people say, I want to eat more healthily, I want to do more physical exercise, I want to quit smoking, I want to quit drinking alcohol, they're really saying, I want to make some changes in my life. So fundamentally, these things are about change. And you know what? Most of the time we can't do it on our own. So admit that I need to change. And I put I in there because I'm referring to myself as much as anybody else. Two other pieces of advice. Don't even think about these things as resolutions. I'm going to give you two methods. One is what we call roles and goals, and the other one is a personal mission statement. And I'm going to have to do it very quickly because I don't want to keep you too long because I happen to know what's on for our community time. Last week, my friend Mike Bear wrote a, wrote a post, which I thought was a really good post. Uh, Mike's an American. Uh, he's a senior executive in an employment agency. He's also one of the world's leading thinkers about biblical business. I've done a bit of work with him, and uh, next year I'm actually going to be working with him again. He's got a ministry called Third Path, and the whole point about this ministry is to raise up a new generation of entrepreneurs who really understand business as mission. That's one of my passions, and uh, I, met, I met Mike was probably seven or eight years ago now, and uh, when he was out in Australia, and we struck up a friendship, we've done a little bit of work together, and we will continue to do that over the next little while. So he wrote this post just a few days ago. And he actually says, listen, forget about resolutions. Don't even think about them as resolutions. But sit down and spend a little bit of time thinking about your roles and then formulate some goals around your roles. He suggests that nobody can really handle more than six roles and if any of you have had a, a recent email from me, from my Dr. Odd 56 email address, you'll see that the little signature line says something like, I think it says uh, CEO, Leaders Institute, Pastor Ignite Life Church, Happy Husband, Father and Papa. I think that's all it says. Well, that's 
pretty much six roles. CEO, oh, the other thing is he's a recessional lecturer at Christian Heritage College. I lecture there part-time. I don't know how long I'll keep that up for. So I've already got plenty of roles. I don't need any more roles. I won't know who I am if I take on any more roles. So Mike says, identify your roles. A maximum of six, he suggests. Then he says, write out a maximum of four goals for each role. So I need to sit down and we'll just work out a few goals, for example, for my role as CEO. And one of my most important goals this year is to pay back as much as possible of the $700,000 loan that we had to get started. But I'd like to get rid of that loan this year if I possibly can. So we can write down some, some goals. And uh, if you've got six roles and four goals, that's 24 goals altogether. I actually think that's probably too many. Um, I don't think you can do that many. So I would suggest that maybe just a couple of goals for each of your roles if you've got three or four roles. Then he says, take 30 minutes. I think somebody failed to catch a fish out there. <laughs> Sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? Eh? Um, take 30 minutes each week to review your progress on those goals and answer the question, what can I do next week to move one or more of my goals forward? Pretty simple, hey? And it should be a, a process that doesn't take more than perhaps an hour to set up and then half an hour each week thereafter. The other one is something I've actually been doing for over 30 years now. It might not be that long, but certainly over 24 years, which is to have a personal mission statement. You know how businesses write up these beautiful, flowery mission statements, all the things they're going to do? And uh, often, of course, the mission statement just ends up in the bottom drawer of, of the CEO. But um, I, I, many, many years ago, I wrote out a personal mission, mission statement, which I revise from time to time. And I try to build my whole life around this mission statement. And what I do isn't necessarily going to work for you. So you've got to sit down and, and prayerfully consider uh, what is the best way of expressing your own mission in life. And um, those of you who know me will know that I, I very rarely measure up fully to my mission statement. You see, it's, it's like a carrot out, you know how the old donkey with a carrot on a stick, you keep the donkey moving forward because he's always after the carrot. That's what a personal mission statement is like. You're never quite there, but you're moving in that direction all the time. So fundamentally, my mission in life is to be a man who loves God, his word, and his ways. And these are the uh, six ways in which I give effect to that fundamental mission in life. Be a godly husband and father and, and grandfather. Communicate God's grace, mercy, and love to all those with whom I have contact each day. Discip dis oh, sorry, disciplining. No, don't discipline people. <laughs> discipling those around me at work, church, and home. Exercising 3S leadership, servant, shepherd, steward. I'll actually talk about this one day. Propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ by promoting missional business thinking wherever I am. And appropriating all that God has provided for me through Jesus. Peace, protection, provision, power and purpose. Don't you love that alliteration? I actually stole that from a bloke by the name of Tom White many, many years ago. 
and then blessings, spiritual, mental, physical, financial, and social. I stole that from Kenneth Copeland. So for me, this is what guides my life. And I've certainly found that much more helpful than making annual New Year's resolutions. So just two, two potential ways in which you can become your own agent of change. And just remember that you can always ask others to pray over your desire for change. Just as Paul promised the Christians in Thessalonica that God would fulfil by his power every good resolve and work of faith. There you go, something practical for a change, not too theological. Well, folks, that's all I wish to share with you this morning. Um, I would invite you to enjoy some community time. Uh, we don't have Mr Bean here, but well, you never know. One of these days, eh? One of these days. Rowan Atkinson, brilliant, brilliant actor. I love, love the guy. So um, if anybody would like prayer, do feel free to um, just stay back for a little while and uh, be more than happy to pray for you for any issue in, uh, in your life. Of course, we believe that God hears prayer. In fact, he delights to hear our prayer and he acts on our prayer the instant.